All right. Good morning. Good evening. Good evening, uh, everyone. I'm Ed. This is Alex. And we are AI Expressed, a creative and business AI podcast. Express indicates that we both focus on all the creative use for AI, but we also bring you an Express version of the latest AI news. So it's topics that are specifically relevant to businesses with using generative AI. We are sponsored by Run Diffusion, your best place for creative AI apps in the cloud. And uh, well, we've got a lot to talk about this morning. It's been a busy few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, a lot of news just uh, rushed in last minute. There's lots to talk about for sure. Yeah, I think uh, 2024 is kind of ramping up here. We've seen a ton of white papers released over the last few weeks. Um, in addition, many of the major companies out there that are doing any kind of AI research or jockeying for position, Meta in particular made a really big move. And we've also seen lots of uh, interesting new stable diffusion updates and uh, business news. Yeah, talking about 2024, I think it will be a turning point for AI in general, because we, we are seeing you know, hardware efforts from big companies, a lot of um, mega corporations that weren't really dubbing too much in AI now are seemingly, uh, you know, ramping up their efforts to with the intention of entering the market. Then, as you said, we have like a, a lot of uh, white papers coming out. And in general, it just seems like, you know, you would expect 2023 to be the year where uh, AI boomed. But I think 2024 it will be a, a double down, really. Uh, that's at least what it looks like so far. Yeah, even locally, I've been seeing a big shift in uh, amount of times that AI is mentioned. I think before it was like kind of mentioned a lot, but deeper discussions on AI weren't really being had in my town, Vancouver, anyways. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's been a big shift and I feel like uh, there's a lot more meetups and startups that are actually getting into the uh, the nitty gritty on AI. So, so let's jump into it. Um, yeah, yeah. Talking about, you know, AI going mainstream, I think the first piece of news is very fitting because apparently AI is coming straight into the Chrome browser. Uh, Google is transforming Chrome into an AI powered hub with uh, three new features, AI assisted writing on any site, uh, tab organization and AI generated teams all launching in the next update. And, you know, uh, Chrome is probably the most used piece of software in the world. And AI coming in Chrome, it means that a lot more people will be exposed to what maybe me and you have seen a lot more in other software that implemented generative AI. This will really increase the exposure exponentially uh, to a much wider range of, of users. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that organize similar tabs function that they're talking about because, man, uh, just have like hundreds of tabs open in Chrome at all times. Just too many AI projects to follow up on. Um, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear you're a Chrome user. Yeah, you know, I, I use a little bit of everything. But um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into the next one. Um, Alex, why don't you? Uh, Tell us about uh, the MIT yeah, study. So um, an interesting study um, from the MIT finds that at least for now, AI is still too expensive to replace humans in jobs. So an interesting MIT study found that despite fears of uh, AI-driven job displacement, 
it's not yet cost effective to replace humans with AI in most jobs. Only 23% of tasks could be more affordably done by AI, according to this, to this study. And even that's uh, decades away from financial viability. So they did a part of the study was this experiment in which they tried to recreate a bakery using AI and automation. And it basically came out that it's still, um, you know, more economically viable to just hire people instead of installing robots and generative AI in your bakery shop. And I think that it was meant to demonstrate this like on a small scale, uh, but for them, it's proof that uh, you know this is um, AI is still premature. But they they say, of course, that gradually AI might disrupt and replace workers. They just say that for now, uh, people shouldn't be as afraid as they are about being replaced by automation. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I mean, uh, you look at a study and you think, really, a bakery? That's what they chose for their study to look at AI, not an office, say, for example. I think there's definitely a lot of different use cases out there. But if you think about the capital expense of like buying a robot these days, you know, definitely a little mm -hmm. hard to replace the blue collar type jobs and probably prohibitively expensive, as well as, you know, API costs for like that GPT, say. But, but surprisingly, this isn't the first time an AI bakery has been uh, talked about or, or even used. Actually, there's a previous example where um, AI was used in a bakery in Japan. Um, there was a bakery that had a wide variety of uh, pastries, and they had so many, they had them out um, available for users or clients to come in and, and choose many different pastries. Then when they got to the cashier, a uh, tricky thing happened. These weren't like packaged, of course, because they're fresh pastries out and on display. Um, so how do you figure out what to charge for a pastry? You know, the cashiers are trying to sort through 15 different kinds of pastries, danishes, croissants, muffins, all to figure out what to charge. So in 2016, this company went and created an AI model to detect pastries. It works surprisingly well the cashiers were quite happy it didn't replace any jobs it just made the cashier's job easier but funny enough a researcher looked at this and said hmm this would probably be good for skin cancer and they used that exact same model that was trained on pastries in the same technology they used it for skin cancer and uh, in the news there's a handheld ai powered device um, that could help to doctors detect skin cancer earlier that's been approved by the FDA, called uh, Derma Sensor. This is uh, not related to the original Japanese pastry detector, but uh, similar. And um, yeah, this is uh, pointing to some wider acceptance in the US, um, particularly in healthcare. We've also seen some comments from judges saying to cautiously adopt AI. So looks like legal systems in the US as well. Um, adopting it. And then, of course, OpenAI does seem to be working with the military. That was in the news as well. Aren't they supposed to be a nonprofit or something? I'm not really sure on this move. Maybe it's like Google's Don't Be Evil got uh, erased from their message. Not sure what happened there, but they are working with the, uh, the U.S. military now. Yeah, going back to pastries and derma sensor, the skin cancer detector, I've read actually that uh, it detects successfully 97% of uh, skin cancer. So that pastry detector must have worked very, very well. Well, it's morning over here and I'm definitely wanting a croissant. So uh, yeah, that would be nice. Um, 
There's some other uh, large companies getting into the fray besides OpenAI, though. Isn't that, uh, isn't that right? Yeah, so maybe this is something you have been hearing for a while that Apple is due and late to joining the AI arms race. But apparently, uh, it seems like finally in June, rumors say, they will finally re release an updated version of Siri with ChatGPT-like features. So better language understanding and like a large language model fueling or a, a small language models, we don't know yet. Uh, and all of this is basically uh, confirmed by the track record of what Apple has been doing in the last few months or last few years. And the number says that Apple since 2017 has acquired 21 AI startups. So I don't know how many startups uh, acquired a year that, that makes it, but certainly it means that they are splurging a lot of money in trying to buy uh, AI tech and AI uh, minds. And then the other interesting number is that nearly half of Apple's AI job postings, so when they look for a job uh, on their job portals, they emphasize deep learning as a requirement for whoever is trying to apply to Apple. That signals like a big uh, incentive, a big um, a signal of need from Apple side to push eventually, or maybe already doing it on the natural language understanding and LLM side of things. And this, as I said before, should all converge in June, according to rumors, in an updated um, LLM, um, you know, LLM Siri, uh, which could probably, you know, fight um, a device like the Rabbit R1. Yeah, I think um, Apple in the last couple of weeks has released some. Uh, open source uh, papers and models, actually, um, multimodal type uh, technology. It does look like they're looking to run um, language models directly on the iPhone, not like the Rabbit, where it would use uh, an API over the internet. They just want to run them on the phone, which makes sense. They make the chips, makes a lot of sense. But of course, uh, they are not the only one um, that is making a push. Many other companies are. We're going to find out what happens with Apple probably in June when the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference happens. But uh, in the meantime, the biggest move has been Meta. They made a giant push into um, AI. Um, Mark Zuckerberg released a statement where he stated he's working on uh, AGI, the, the fabled singularity or artificial general intelligence. Um, and they have a plan to open source it, potentially. He was a little on the fence, uh, wanted to see how the technology developed, whether they would open source it or not. But the idea is that they are working to open source these and democratize access to advanced AI. So they combined their AI research groups um, and they made a massive, massive acquisition. They have about 350,000 H100 NVIDIA GPUs. They're monster GPUs. And they plan to have 600,000 H100 equivalent by the end of the year, equivalent yeah, I think, in, uh, um, like you know, equivalent in power to those uh, H100s. Yeah, I think it's very easy to overlook what a massive uh, pivot Zuckerberg is trying to pull together. Because on on Threads he released a video in which basically he says he is merging the Meta VR AR 
department of Meta with the AI department. But the spin here that it, that it does in the video is that he says that the Meta AR VR department is already AI. It's already like an AR, AI department, which it wasn't really originally. He's, he's putting like this like nice sprinkle of, you know, um, magic on what like he was doing before and now merging it with what he's doing now, which is AI with the hope that these two um, department of Meta will eventually work together and, and help him to fuel his new vision, which is definitely not what he envisioned before, because before he was 100% focused on um, AR, VR. And now he's saying, oh, you know, AR, VR was already AI. We're just like pushing it more with more AI, LLMs, um, models, Llama, et cetera, et cetera. So he's definitely trying to pull like a massive pivot. He's being very uh, swift in how he communicates it, but it's certainly a massive change. And also the amount of money he's spending and the amount of GPUs he's amassing is just like mind boggling. Yeah, they're, they're in the process of training Llama 3, uh, which they will be open sourcing as well. Um, which should be incredible. I mean, Llama 2 caused so many waves in AI uh, in the open source aspect, especially. Um, you know, I, I, I can't blame uh, Zuck for the, the move. Um, I think the metaverse itself did kind of flop because it didn't have AI. Um, but now with the promise of AI, there's much more reason to embrace these kind of metaverse technologies, capabilities of different interfaces. You know, I think like smart glasses is one of the things he named as being a key interface for the technology because it can see like you, it can hear like you. And that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I want to I want to hear your opinion on this before we move to the next news, actually, because in the video he says he thinks that AR and VR glasses are the best way to interact with AI. What do you think about that? Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that I personally have been missing from computers is the ability to kind of change the interface or have something that sort of adapts to how you work. Um, I think that's been something that's been really missing for a very long time from our desktops. We're used to Windows, we're used to Apple, we're used to kind of everything being the same. And I think that now with these additional capabilities, um, everyone sort of senses slightly differently. You know, you think about the the concept of learn better by hearing or seeing or doing. Now they're going to be able to have these interfaces that play to their strengths. And I think AI is going to be able to do that. And the VR landscape is such an unexplored domain in regards to UX UI that you're gonna need an AI to help you navigate and it's going to be set up the way you want. If you think about how you see like minority port report type interfaces, you know, you can move windows anywhere you want. You can spin up different dials and reports and sensors. And that's really what's going to be available to us with AI is design your own interface to connect with, uh, with the computer. I think that's really what's gonna happen. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I personally don't think that AR VR is the best way to interact. It's certainly like a very, you know, um, interesting and probably effective way, but I wouldn't, you know, put all my money on it being the best um, interface, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, talking about uh, massive GPU acquisitions, like the ones made by Mr. Zach, um, an interesting article came out uh, from the information. And uh, so I want to premise that this is opinion and speculation, but I think it's just interesting to talk about this. So journalist Anit Anissa Gridzi uh, said that source talking to her 
are informing her on the fact that there's um there's a massive hardware shortage around the corner and not only hardware but also uh, energy because the investments in AI powered server and GPUs is literally skyrocketing and and there's literally no view of how this can be sustainable in the last next months or years so what she and her sources forecast is that at some point there will be a massive shortage of energy and GPUs or servers. And to the point that uh, Microsoft has publicly endorsed and voiced support for alternative energy sources like atomic uh, energy sources. And if Microsoft you know, intervenes about something like that, it signals that maybe there's something true about it, or at least they are like hedging their, you know, their their options when it comes to sustaining their AI efforts. Um, and on a side note, basically there are two scenarios that could come out from you know this uh, eventual and potential shortage of energy and GPUs, which is that even if the demand can be met, some speculate that if all the software coming out uh, from these AI efforts is not you know viable, successful, or just doesn't work or doesn't meet the expectations, what could happen is basically like a massive AI bubble. Uh, especially in hardware, not just in software, uh, where we, we find ourselves with like a, basically um, a landscape of unused servers and GPUs because, you know, everyone will be ramping up their acquisition of GPUs and then at some point they wouldn't be needed anymore because there wouldn't be applications to be, uh, to be run. Of course, this is speculation and opinion, but I think, and I don't think it's true, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future of AI hardware and software. I just think it's interesting uh, from the point of view of energy and sustainability of uh, acquiring so many GPUs. And I think um, Ed agrees with me on the fact that probably companies are going to focus more in the future of like shrinking on shrinking down their, their LLMs and their AIs so that it, they can stay more sustainable and don't require such massive acquisitions of hardware to be um, you know used. Yeah, I think, I think there is going to be a trend towards that. But I will say that the trend does seem to be focused more on niche uses, right? Like if you have a specific use case for an LLM, you don't need a giant 30 billion parameter thing. You can make do with a seven or even three billion parameter if it's just doing one specific task. So you will see that trend continue. Um, you know, Stability launched a three billion parameter one uh, just last, last week or last couple of weeks. And I'm seeing that trend continue of um, LLMs being quantized mm -hmm. so they can run on CPUs, so they can run without GPUs at all um, in much smaller parameters. However, if you're going for general use models, of course, those are fantastic. The larger they get, the better they are. So it does make sense that there is going to be, uh, for general use, just a huge ramp up. Um, I will say for the power demands, not ruling out the fact that superconductors are still out there. Uh, you know, those Chinese papers that were released on the superconductor, uh, they've got a couple replicated studies, so you never know. Maybe the power thing will not even be an issue in the next uh, year or two. Superconductors could mean um, <clears throat> vast, vast power savings available for every every part of society. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just mentioned this piece of news just because I think it's good to have a perspective on potential issues around the corner, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with like uh, you know doomerism um, about 
you know, a potential future where we cannot sustain the demand. Uh, I think it's just interesting to read about this, um, just to keep a critical eye on the future and try to understand what are the potential issues around the corner. Now, talking about other big corporations, um, so uh, this is another interesting piece of news because basically what's going, what's going on is that more, more and more Google DeepMind stuff are departing from Google because they are deeply unhappy with how um, AI, with Google, with how Google is uh, handling the growth in, in demand and application of AI. So, like a lot of employees of AI of, of Google are just like really unhappy with how their bosses are handling and the pace at which they're releasing uh, the software that they're developing. So like one of the stories is that uh, a few, some of the developers inside Google developed a very um, powerful model to, to create music called Lyria. And, and basically, according to the story, this model was ready and, and software were ready six months before they were released. And so this is just an example to show how frustrating it is for the people working inside Google because they are making uh, huge strides inside, but Google, for some reason, it's not releasing these um, applications at, at the pace that they would desire. And also, um, you would think, oh, you know, maybe they, they do it because they do it for ethical reasons or whatever. But actually, what the employees say is that they think that their bosses just have no idea what they're doing with AI. So there's not even a justification of, you know, saying maybe they're like being cautious because according to the people who work in there, actually, these bosses don't, don't really know what they're doing. I actually saw a lot of like pieces done by ex Google employees over the last couple of weeks where they were talking about the middle management nightmare of uh, Google. Some of them were pointing to the CEO as the problem. Some of them were just saying, actually, it's just lost its spark. Um, it was really interesting to kind of read through that. Um, and you know, they released an amazing uh, white paper as well, where they were, they were talking about a new video model that Google's made. Um, you know, it looked incredible, but then pretty much everyone after seeing that is like, yeah, can't wait to try it in three years because Google never releases the code at the same time. Like all the open source projects release the code when it comes out or maybe a month or two after with the paper but Google just never does until way, way later, and it's not even relevant anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of sad to see, you know, someone who, like a, a group that used to be so innovative and, like, is sitting on its laurels now. It's just yeah, really, I mean, really sad. No, we, we, we bashed a lot on Google, but after seeing the S20, Galaxy S24 presentations and the AI features brought by uh, the new um, Gemini Nano model to it. There, there are some very impressive features in, in there that are very useful. And certainly that means that Google is going to be the first one to bring actually AI implementation uh, built in into smartphones, which is something, you know, that it's pretty like forward looking. So, I mean, they are failing on a lot of things. But I have to say that this presentation of the S24 really changed my mind on the future of Google AI in general, because yeah, this there are, they have a few things that really work. You know, maybe they are behind, maybe they are not, um, they don't know what they're doing with AI, whatever. But what the, the little there are some little things that they are doing that are very impressive. Like the have you seen the real time translator in Galaxy S twenty four? I haven't yet. No. 
Yeah, that's very impressive. So basically, it, it translates call calls vocally and and textually for you, like uh, straight Wait, I away. See, yeah, I did see that one. That that one is yeah. is very cool. Well, hopefully, something shifts there. Maybe a bunch of people leaving will cause them to pick up to it. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the language model news here. Uh, there's been a flurry of merged models getting into the news, mainly uh, Fuse LLM and uh, some white papers that came out talking about merging of language models, which has, of course, been something that people in Diffusion have been doing for a really long time. In fact, all the most popular stable Diffusion models are merges of some sort. Run Diffusion Juggernaut is a merge between Run Diffusion model and uh, Juggernaut train model. It's been called one of the most realistic models around, and that's mainly because of the merge. It's kind of an alchemical process, not a scientific one, really. But you get a lot of the elements of each, and it just really opens up the model. So it's exciting to see the merging coming to the LLM space. But it's funny, um, you know, I'm seeing it in uh, white papers, research, business papers, but really uh, in the role-playing space, they've been doing this for quite a long time. One of the most popular models on Cobalt AI called TIE Fighter, and it is a just massive merge of a bunch of different styles. So once again, the hobbyists are leading the way um, with merged models. There's also a paper uh, from uh, a group that, sorry, I don't know the name of the group offhand, actually. I'll put the, uh, the link in there, but Medusa is the name of their language model, and it's an LLM inference acceleration framework. Now, what's interesting about this is um, the way that models normally work is they do what's called auto-regressive tokenization. So as the tokens are being generated, sort of like decoding it, looking it, and this is a big bottleneck for um, generation. So Medusa basically introduces multiple decoding heads and predict multiple tokens at once. And this greatly accelerates the um, capabilities of the model. They've seen a two times speed up without quality loss, and a 3.6 times speed up with some trade-offs. So there's a lot of potential for this method. Nice. Uh, I'll briefly mention um, SSMs, because this is something that has been hyped for a while now. Uh, and it seems like basically, so the traditional LLM um, you know, uh, engine, which are called transformers, uh, which is the technology powering the biggest the biggest AI models that we all are used to now, like ChatGPT, they seem to have finally a challenger. Uh, so a new technology, a new model that should shake to the core how AI is built and trained. And they are called SSMs. So uh, these up and coming uh, state space models are challenging um, transformers. Which are originally used by originally used by ChatGPT, and potentially they would lead to a, a major efficiency revolution in AI language processing because they are uh, much less pow power demanding and also way more efficient in in all sense, even in performance. Uh, so SSMs would tackle the high computation high computational costs of transformers by efficiently managing long sequences of words or promising greater power at less expense, which is something that I, I think everyone is uh, uh, desiring right now. And these SSMs are uh, led by one specific model called Mamba, 
uh, that showed that SSMs could handle larger inputs and perform um, and outperform transformers in language generations. So I won't I won't I won't go deeper in this because it would require literally like reading the whole white paper and understanding it. But given how much excitement the scientific community has been showing for SSMs, I think that there's something promising here in terms of new technologies that would replace what we already have started to give for granted, like the engine of ChatGPT itself. Yeah, and Transformers has also been continuing to advance. Um, in, in fact, in the stable diffusion space, they're now implementing some of the uh, Transformers advancements that they've seen in the language models. So... A paper came out um, called Scalable High-Resolution Pixel Space Image Synthesis with Hourglass Diffusion Transformers. Uh, quite a mouthful on that one. But basically what it's doing is just taking some LLM technologies for transformers and using them with diffusion models. Um, we've seen this before. For example, the LoRa that is so beloved in stable diffusion. It's actually a language model technology that the creator of LoRa's uh, translated to be used with stable diffusion where it became immensely popular. So there's lots of precedence for this in the overlaps between diffusion models, and language models. Um, in this case, uh, the hourglass diffusion generates some small images and then upscales them with a bridge. But the technique that it does is very interesting. It uses um, something from the language model space called rope, which was a hack that came out um, to extend the context window of language models, um, how much information they can handle at once. It uses a bunch of other techniques as well, and it just really makes uh, a lang uh, sorry a diffusion model that's capable of potentially making larger images, more coherent images. So we'll we'll see what happens in this space, but there's just such a potential for cross pollination between uh, language models and diffusion models. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I think this has been a long time coming, like more, as you say, as you say, cross-pollination between the two fields, because the stable diffusion community seems to be very open to play and creatively with this technology. And I think there's there's a need of more of this, um, you know, uncensored uh, experimentation in LLMs. And as you can see, uh, it's already yielding uh, interesting results. And I hope to see more of this, you know, crazy scientist kind of like, uh, things where you're like, oh, you know, LoRa works for stable diffusion. Maybe they work for uh, LLMs too. Oh, ControlNet works for stable diffusion. Oh, so maybe it works for LLMs too. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really eager to see more of this. Actually, I was talking all last night at the local meetup about ControlNet models and how they would work in the language model space. I've got some crazy theories. I'll be talking those through and seeing if I can figure out. Maybe we can chat about it after. <laughs> uh, depth Anything is a new paper that came out. So this is a new uh, depth model. Speaking of control nets, depth estimation model. It is much higher quality. Um, and uh, we saw like a marigold depth model a little while ago. This is even better than that. It um, scale. It, it basically used a ton of data that was unlabeled and uh, it enabled it to get much better visual knowledge uh, for creating depth models. So it's a really powerful um, uh, control net that could be coming. Um, we've seen some access to it already. I believe the code is out there. So this is uh, very promising for the continuing development control nets. Autodesk also released Make a Shape, a 10 million scale 3D shape model. 
This is notable because uh, AutoCAD is just an absolute powerhouse. Autodesk, the company that made AutoCAD, has been around for a very long time. They're a massive, massive company. And so having them get into AI and making a 3D model is a big deal. They trained it on 10 million 3D shapes. So 3D has been an interesting space. We'll see what happens um, as that continues to develop. Also, uh, I am going to put a little rumor in here. Matt Wolf is a uh, AI influencer I've been a big fan of and worked with a little bit on some uh, AI video stuff back in the day. And I had heard some rumors, but now Matt Wolf is saying he's seen it. There's 30 minute long coherent video made by AI in one go. He, I think, yeah, I think this has to do with a white paper from Google, right? That no, 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 that, that's totally different. That's totally different. Okay. The Google one had like maybe three to five seconds of video. So this is uh, something where Matt Wolf was saying he was initially skeptical, but now he's actually witnessed tools of capable of producing 30 to 60 minute AI generated video stories. Wow. Well, can imagine storyboarding a prompt. You get this type of coherent video. Um, I knew that some groups were kind of working on this, but uh, apparently it's like available to be demonstrated and will be available to the public soon, or at least the the demonstrations will be available. Um, so there's a lot of yeah. a lot of amazing advances that have been happening in text to 3D and AI powered animation of 3D characters. Um, so. We'll see what happens. This isn't just like a bunch of stock footage, three to five second clips pieced together. This is coherent, long form uh, storytelling and video, which could mean uh, really revolutionary um, release I guess for, this, for um, film and game this, and everything. I guess this means uh, just more Hollywood strikes around the corner. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the nice thing about all these AI tools is it does democratize the abilities for the independent creator quite a bit. So that's, you gotta look yeah. at both sides of the coin for sure. Um, and then we have Runway, which is itself in the business of, uh, you know, um, AI video and video generation. They recently released Multimotion Brush, which is a tool that you might think, oh, it's just another AI tool, but actually it's very useful and interesting because basically Runway already had released a similar tool called Motion Brush a few months ago that allows you to animate still images or pictures. Uh, but that tool will only animate one item of the of the picture uh, at a time. Uh, but this new tool, Multimotion Brush, allows you to animate up to five different subjects within the same picture. So, for example, if you have um, an image or a photograph or a photo of five cats, you would be able to animate each of these cats. Uh, doing one different thing and going into one different direction or doing a different movement, uh, something that was not possible, uh, I mean, in runway before. And I think we will see a lot of interesting uh, creative effort coming out of it because we already seen uh, in entire trailers made with runway motion brush and just five of five motion brushes will probably mean uh, five five times more the trailers released on, on YouTube. Literally hurting cats, huh? that was a good example. Uh, <laughs> open source is also nipping at the heels of runway with the release of Drag Nua, which is uh, very similar in capability, multi motion brush. Um, and yeah, I've seen some really great examples of, uh, you know, capturing like really unique 
facial expressions and so forth or stills. It's just uh, beautiful stuff. Um, lastly, we saw some big updates in zero shot uh, identity recreation, whatever you want to call this. Um, basically, the concept of taking a character and getting a consistent output of them. So two uh, projects were released. One was called Instant ID, the other Photo ID. But the idea there is that by inputting pictures of a individual, whether AI generated or not, and then get pictures of that person. Of course, this is uh, vastly popular in apps like Lenza, where people were getting their own selfies. Um, in this case, you don't need to train a model. You just put the pictures in and you get pictures out uh, based on your prompt. So very, very capable. And uh, people are reporting that it is better than training a LoRa. So um, we'll see where this technology develops at the moment. It's available for comfy UI, but uh, there's basically just a wrapper and it hasn't really been adapted to the platform yet, but you can definitely test it out, see what you think. Nice, that's uh, amazing news for, you know, the malicious entities that generate deep fakes of uh, Joe Biden or, or Donald Trump. Jeez, you're on the Doomer tip again. I think I think one of the things that I see the most is, uh, you know, like people asking, like, how can I make a consistent character? Like make a yeah. book or character for game, you know? I think, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is useful because I think creating models of people or reproducing the identity of people is probably the most uh, popular use of, uh, like when you generate a model, I think it's the one that most people want. And so this is why we have so many efforts of trying to create technologies that simplify the process because everyone would love to have a model of someone or themselves or whatever character. But at, at this point, it's still, um, you know, time consuming to create to train a model on yourself or whatever subjects you are interested in reproducing. And that's why we see so many efforts in simplifying it. Definitely, definitely. So it is exciting technology. We'll see what comes of it. Um, but yeah, this has been AI Expressed. Thank you for listening. Uh, we should probably wrap up here, but of course we will continue chatting for a little while on the LinkedIn audio space, uh, just going over these, maybe talking a little bit more about Instant ID and Photo ID and other things. Um, but thanks for having us. We will be bi-weekly um, at this time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, what's the time over there for you in, in Italy, uh, Alex? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Italy time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Looking forward to see you again next time.